Alright, are we all are we all rolling? Okay. okay. Let's one. cap on the no, count no, 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 of, no, no, let's wait. clap on the count of three. Yes. Wait, wait. One, one two, two Okay, wait, wait, stop. Oh Start over. Okay. One, one two. Wait, wait, stop. I have to give it permission to use my microphone. I accidentally hit uh no don't have access to my microphone on my laptop. Oh my God. One, two, three. Say my name. Walter White. What? Um, hey everybody. Welcome to episode six of My Week with Wonka. This is day six of our viewings with Wonka. Eric and I here have spent so much time with this purple little man. I feel like I know Wonka better than I know my own grandmother at oh, this yeah. point. And to... um. To make this episode a little extra spicy. To shake things up a little Shake bit. things stir up. Stir things up. Stir things. Shake and not stir. Yes. I'm stirred. We're getting wasted with Wonka. Yes. We took we uh we imbibed a little before the screening. And, and during. A little bit a little bit shh, a little bit during. And after. After. And to accompany us on this journey, we have a friend of the pod. Noted playwright and chocolate theorist Peter Bashaw. Peter, say hi to the folks listening. Hey, everybody! So exciting to uh, make my podcasting debut. Uh, now, Peter, uh, it's it's you know you're on at a very important moment in this podcast's history because I was looking at our Spotify statistics earlier today. We've made some real headways in the 45 to 59 demographic. Before today, whenever I looked, you know, the graph, the bars on the bar graph were very high, except 0% of our listener base was in the 45 to 59 demographic. But now we appear to have um, boosted our listenership within that demographic. So, uh, Peter, do you have anything special you want to say to the 45 to 59 year olds out there? Well, the MILFs love me and uh, the DILFs probably to a lesser extent. And uh, I'm just excited to uh, expand your, uh, you know, your viewing audience a little did, bit. Did you guys know that um, the way that Spotify breaks down like age demographics, it's like 17 and under, mm-hmm. 18 to 25, huh. um, 25 to like 35, 35 to 45, 45 to 59, and then it's 60 to 150. So that's not fair. That's kind of saying once you're six years, you're old, right? Or like once you're 150, you can't like listen to music anymore. Do you have anything to say to the 150 year old listeners out there? You know, you're only as young as you feel, right? Uh, You got to have the right mindset, I think. You know, I am 73 this summer. So, so guys, this so so to be talking about this new hit movie with you, young. Thanks. So you know, um. You know, Eric and I, we've seen this movie. This is our sixth time. Uh, Peter's only seen it the just first the once. Time. But, just the once. But unfortunately, with our viewing today, like, you know, we mentioned earlier, we haven't been at our local spot. And today we went to a, you know, a not as upkept theater. That's and... not nice. Don't say that. Okay. They're you, doing their best. They're doing their best. They can't control um, but... when there's like a fire in the mall. There was a we... bit of a fire drill. We and... went to the theater. And we, uh, we we lost uh the the fire alarm went off around the last uh um, 20 minutes before the end of the movie so we kind of um so we need to before we can talk about the movie 
we need to finish seeing the movie yeah. as it were so we need to tell peter uh, about the last 20 so minutes of the movie maybe it would be good if i recounted the movie oh well first let's begin and clarify that you know seven days watching willy wonka or just wonka rather hold on okay. hold on i gotta sneeze Okay, it's not happening. Got as shy. As soon as I say I gotta sneeze, it doesn't happen. We um, get it. We get it. Shy. You know, watching Willy Wonka seven days in a row, you gotta mm-hmm. mix things up. So yeah. we had the idea of um, wasted with Wonka. Wasted with Wonka, but I feel like I'm the only one that really committed to the bit. I don't think that's I had true. five drinks. I had a How many very did you nice. Have? I had a. I had a very okay. nice thing. But it might be fun if I explain. <laughs> sure, sure. As I understand, it's too fun. So, fade in. We open on a steamship approaching. I'm going to give you two minutes for this bit, okay? Oh, nondescript European harbor. And there's a guy, Willy Wonka. He's dressed out. He's dressed up. He's got the purple dress. He shows up. He wants to be a chocolate maker. He shows up in this European city, wherever the fuck it is. Pan Euro City. Pan Euro City. And he meets a homeless. No, he is homeless. <laughs> He, he runs a guy in the street with a dog who I feel like you only see two times after that. And he's like, oh, do you want to stay with me? A woman he's in love with who he's not with. Can't we all? She, she runs a hotel. Yes, we can all. And a laundry service. Yes, we can all identify with the situation. Mrs. Scrubbit. Mrs. Scrubbit. He signs a contract to basically live at this boarding house with this woman and her simp, right? Yeah. And One goes, minute left. And he wants to be a chocolate guy. And he goes to, like, the Piccadilly Circus of chocolate. He's like, oh, do you want to eat my fucking chocolate that has, like, flies in it? Really good chocolate. Uh, and everyone loves it, but the uh, pigs show up, and they're like, you can't do this, because the chocolate cartel is so powerful in this town. And we're going to talk about the overtones up, or the up. undertones of, like, a chocolate deep state. Anyway, he goes back, he signed this contract, he's thrown into indentured service. I know. And he's like, you uh, have to work in the laundry for us. He breaks out, he milks a giraffe, he like puts it in chocolate. He keeps pretending to be a slave for some mm-hmm. reason. And he like indentured goes back and he promotes chocolate. Anyway, and then he goes back and he keeps being a slave. And he comes back and then at that point, it becomes a little hard to remember because I was Four. drunk. Three, and the fire alarm went two, off. One. So maybe you guys can so, recount so, the plot to me. Where we last left off, we last left off sort of at the beginning of the third act. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Wonka, Willy Wonka, he has just survived an assassination attempt by the chocolate, the chocolate cartel. They tried to blow up the boat that he was on. He was in a premium economy. <laughs> That's good. That's good. And Oompa Loompa was on the boat with him. They tried to blow up his boat. Wow, the audio really peaked when you opened that can in my microphone. Um, and he swims back to shore because uh, cold water really stimulates the neural pathways. He breaks Noodle out of the coop. Which I would, just for the record, I, I'd like to go back to that cold water bit, but continue. Okay, we'll circle um, back. We'll circle back. We'll circle back. Cold, uh, we will, but the cold rinse is vital. Let me tell you. Yes. So I'm going to stand up because my knees are hurting. Of course. Um, we're in the spare bedroom just for, to... Paint a picture. Um, so they break Noodle out of the coop, the chicken coop that Mrs. Scrubbit, Mrs. Scrubbit, is keeping her in. 
and uh, they come up with this plan to steal a giraffe from the zoo, the giraffe that they milked earlier. They set the giraffe loose in the church uh, with the chocoholic monks, and then that way they're able to then pretend to be zookeepers to sneak into the zoo to get the giraffe this is where we left off so what happens here in carlin you can tag in whenever you want but basically they get into the church under the uh the guise of retrieving the escaped giraffe peter are you paying yes. attention you're putting your sock I'm, on right yeah, now I, I, I am listening they okay they, they, there's a whole there's a whole bit where there's a whole bit where Larry Chucklesworth like kind of pretends to be the zoo and he's like, hello, zoo. I, I, I do like that bit. Yes, and he's telling the animals but, to be quiet and he says, you pull off the puss because he's demonstrating his ability to speak underwater. Speak underwater. So they go into the, the, the church to get the giraffe back and then in the commotion, Wonka and Noodle are able to sneak into the basement where the chocolate vault is mm -hmm. to find the ledger that has proof Slugworth's, Slugworth's secret ledger. Yes, Slugworth's secret ledger that has proof of the bribery. When then the chocolate cartel shows Slugworth up. shows up and Slugworth and Fickle Gruber and Prodnose, the three members of the chocolate but cartel, Eric, show up. Peter, you're looking Slugworth, at your phone. Slugworth, Eric, at your phone. Eric, Eric, Slugworth pulls a gun on them. Slugworth pulls a gun. We talked about this in episode we five, did, so we, we won't did. belabor the point of too course, much. But of Slugworth course. pulls out a gun. A, mur and, a weapon of murder. He's like, Honka, I have Honka. a gun. I'm going to point it at you, but I'm not going to shoot you. Instead, we're going to use this very... Uh, unnecessarily elaborate method of drowning you in 150 gallons of chocolate they drown in chocolate so in the they, they put wonka and noodle in the chocolate vat but before they do listen they to this peter reveal because as we've established noodle has the necklace that has an n on it yeah for noodle or nina or nothing at all you know mrs scrubbit just saw the n and decided to name her noodle mm -hmm. wonka realizes that slugworth arthur slugworth has a necklace that it's the same style, but it has an A on it and, for Arthur. And, and then that's wait, when Slugworth, the Slugworth. head of the chocolate Slugworth. cartel, are that's related. And yes. we see a flashback. Noodle, Noodle is see, the niece. Yes. We see a flashback that reveals that Noodle is Slugworth's niece, the, like uh, librarian named Dorothy. Not, And then he died nine months later. She uh, helped me they take care of my daughter. And he takes the baby and drops mm -hmm. it down a laundry point, It's like pretty clear already. Like we as the audience, it's like, we get it. Noodle we get the related. Niece, you know? But they kind of belabor the point. And she's like, she's like, but she's like, and the necklace, Mrs. Scrubbit thought that it was an N for Noodle, but it was actually a Z for Zebedee because Zebedee. he's my dad and you're my uncle. And it's like, so, we get it. So they, they drown or they attempt to drown Wonka and Noodle in the that, chocolate vat before that. Because Nina is a successor listen, to yes. Hold on, one of the chocolate dynasties. Slugworth, yes. Slugworth. So before, before um, the they drown, uh, before they drown in chocolate, Wonka throws the jar and is like, hey, please do one last act of kindness. Give these chocolates to my Oompa Loompa friend. And they're like, yeah, okay, whatever. Then they start drowning chocolate and then they eat the chocolate because they're like, oh, there's no such thing as a little orange man. And then Hugh Grant comes in and he's actually, oh, this is my chocolate. And he's and wearing a flight suit. He is wearing a flight suit. But then he say he he drains the chocolate. He presses the emergency drain. They don't come in. Oh wait, yeah. So they save. They come out. The police catch him. Um, Willie, the chocolates that he was gonna get, they actually send. They're flying chocolates, and they send the chocolate cartel up into the stratosphere. Good, Good news. He yeah, he murders the chocolate he murders cartel. The cartel, cartel. They, they they all win. It's okay. Everything everything happens. And then great. Wait, they literally kill the chocolate. Well, well, he tells them like when the chocolate cartel is gonna drown them in chocolate. He's like, 
uh, before you leave, I, I have I have a little box of chocolate that I owe to a little orange man. And they didn't so can you take this? The and then they eat all the chocolates. And he's like, it's the best chocolate I ever made. And they're like, oh, the best chocolate he ever made. <laughs> and, and they, they eat, eat all of it. And, and then it, it and then the Wonka fly. comes outside. And and um, and anyway, Wonka they, comes outside. And they're like, we'll get the best lawyers. We'll bribe the judge, rig the jury. And Wonka's like, oh man, I wish I thought of that. But then he explodes the chocolate pipes. And then all the chocolate shoots out from underground, blows up the pipes. They float off into the stratosphere with the hover chocks. And he's like, don't worry, you'll float back down, probably, I think. So he, he's very, uh, like, laissez-faire about the yes, whole thing. They probably, like, float out into but space it's good, and die. it's good because Noodle, get, anyway, it, good, good things happen. The chocolate cartel is arrested or dead. Uh, Willie, noodly noodle, 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 apple strudel gets reunited with her mother, who is a, the, library. the library, of course. And then Wonka sees the ghost of his mom. Yes. Played by Sally Hawkins. Peter, Not his hot mom. Peter, if you could describe Sally Hawkins in one word, what would that word be? I think wayfish a little bit, but that's multiple words. One word, wave. Okay, cool. Uh, anyway, but, but in anyway, a, but, in, but hold on. But in a fifty-year-old woman kind of way. Okay. She's remember. like forty-five, what probably. Ageist. Anyway, so yeah, the Oompa Oompa uh, uh, Wonka pays off his death to the Oompa Loompa, but to be the head of the tasting department. Uh, Wonka convinces Hoompa Loompa to be part of his factory and they build the factory and he sings this weird cover of Pure Imagination. That's all right. Are you fucking and with me? No, Are and you I'm telling you that, right shut up. No, and then and then there's like a post-credit scene or a, it's a mid-credit scene where like- The Hoompa Loompa, Hoompa Loompa reveals the fate of the other characters. And they all get a happy ending. Except, except for Mrs. Scrobbit and, and Mr. Leecher, where they- the police, because if you'll remember, Peter, if you'll remember this, because this part of the movie you did see, the chocolate cartel pay Mrs. Scrubbit to poison Wonka's chocolate Mrs. to sabotage Scrubbit. the opening of his shop. So they pour the Yeti sweat in to make all the customers like grow hair and the skin changes color or whatever. So the mid credit scene, the cops knock on the door and Bleach is like, the chocolate cartel's gone down. And she's like, we haven't done anything wrong. Oh, but we poisoned all the chocolates. And she's like, quick, drink the evidence. So they drink all the poison. The and then the police the open the door to arrest them. And then they have like blue skin and okay. their hair is all crazy. Yeah. And they have one last kiss before they get dragged okay, off sounds, to jail. So that's sounds, the hold on. That's sounds the like this is the perfect place for me to piss. Do you think this is obnoxious? Like, do you think people are going to listen to this and be like, this is obnoxious? Um, well, if we can cut down any parts that we can. I'll, cu I'll cut it down. I'll cut it down in the edit. But They really said nothing rhymes with noodle, but... A lot of fucking things rhyme with Noodle, as the song shows. They yes. have to make up some words? Yeah, like, if they wanted her to have a name that nothing rhymed with, they should have named her Orange. Yeah. What rhymes with Orange? So, um... So, Peter, uh, as we do with all of our guests, we the first, the most important piece of business is to ask you, what did you think of the movie? What, were your first what, you saw what are your first, first impressions? impressions? Well, I should say because we decided to mix this up that we would see it. And we can make it wasted with Wonka. That it's kind of a unique uh, viewing sp uh, experience. Here, hold on, hold on, grab the grab the mic. Yeah, grab yeah. The mic. Um, I don't know. It wasn't quite as bad as I thought it would be. The production design I thought was thoughtful, but still garish. But not in a way that it still felt like kind of an imitation. There was still to use the words of uh, Harold Bloom, kind of an anxiety of influence. It's like, oh, we got to make this fucking crazy. 
like the original uh, Charlie and the Chalk Factory. Um, really, you think they were trying to go crazy with this? Because, I mean, it looks nice and big, but from what most of our guests have said, they don't really go into the dark and twistedness of the Wonka. I don't know if it was dark and twisted. I just meant the production design was fine for what you would expect from this. I don't know. I don't have really good thoughts about the movie. I thought Timmy was miscast, but fine <gasps> as far as the material goes. But he doesn't really work with the zany, crazy kind of figure. Off the top of your head, can you think of anyone who would have done better in the role, given the circumstances? As far as young guys go, I'm always bad on the spot like this. But you, you know, you do know that. I mean, I, I don't know if you you haven't been listening to our show, but. Uh, uh, but I was um, um I, Paul King offered me the role, but I I had scheduling conflicts. I bet Jake Harlan Decker the third would be really good at this. I oh, uh, kind of the whimsical. The thing about Timmy and I want to reiterate because I think this will come up later during the talk is that uh, I am straight. Uh, but Timmy is too sexy for the role. I think I don't think he because I the thing about Timmy is that. Um, personally, I do despise him because, like me, he is a um, skinny white boy, and I hate to see someone like me succeeding where I fail. But I do think he's been a good actor, even the things that I didn't like as much, I think he's been good in. But he does, and I kind of had this thought before I saw it, I still do think he's kind of miscast. He doesn't really work for this, but I don't know who would be a good replacement for him. Uh, I don't really know. I thought the movie was not as bad as I thought it would be, but there's still a lot of roadblocks of like. There's so much time spent as him as a slave in the laundromat, and then the Oompa Loompa stuff is incorporated very clumsily. And then I miss like the last twenty minutes, so you know, I don't. Know. I don't have a lot to add, Eric. Uh, Peter, um, so you said that you, you hate to see someone like Timmy succeed where you failed. Um, how do you feel upon learning this piece of information that I'm about to reveal to you, which is just today it was announced that Timothy Chalamet was named GQ's most stylish man of the year. I would make out with him, no doubt, you know, as a straight man, so pretty hot, um, cause he's a good looking guy. GQ most stylish. I guess style is also not just about appearance, but it's also fashion and presentation. And I couldn't really make a judgment about that. He's a good looking guy. He's been very good about picking his roles. I don't know. What's it, what, what was his first big thing? Was it Lady Bird? He'd had work before then. He was on Homeland. He played young Casey Affleck in Interstellar. Oh, he's, right. And he's talked about this in interviews. There's sort of the famous scene in the movie where it's Matthew McConaughey after he's been on the planet where seven years pass in an hour and he's watching the video messages from his kids as they grow up and it's you know his daughter ages into Jessica Chastain his son ages and ages into Casey Affleck and so Timothy Chalamet as this the young son recorded scenes where he's like leaving a video message for his dad and he has talked about being at the premiere and finally we get to that scene which is like his big acting moment in the movie but the camera's just on McConaughey the entire time and he's watching it and he's like He's like, wait a minute, like, why the fuck am I not on camera for this, but also, like, knowing that it was the right choice? I should say, uh, um, Interstellar 
easily uh, Nolan's worst movie. But that scene, uh, I I think that's fair. You got to make a judgment. Uh, Inner Cellar, probably his worst movie. But I will say that scene, really perfect marriage between, um, I don't know, the themes of the movie and just the story itself of like, McConaughey hey, watching. Um, hold on one second. Okay. McConaughey watching his life blur by. That is a really sure. good scene. But Shalme yes. does okay. feel very wasted. And okay. Casey okay. Affleck, fuck him. This is not a Interstellar or Christopher Nolan podcast. Okay, this is a Pe- Wonka podcast. Pe- well, okay. It's important contextually. Peter asked what was Shalome's breakout. I think this is important context. Mm-hmm. His first big year as a leading man was 2017. He had the doubleheader of Lady Bird and Calling By Your Name, which mm-hmm. he got his first and to date, only Oscar nomination for. It's possible that might change with Wonka. I doubt it. He was nominated at the Golden Globes, but that's like a fraudulent sham organization, so I don't know that that will like translate into any Oscar I, buzz. Uh, I thought Chalamet was miscast, but did as well as he could in this role. I think right. it would be good to kind of pivot to talking about the movie more specifically. Sure. Eric, you said, and there are some weird kind of undertones to this movie maybe it would be good to kind of talk about what you were thinking well i know you guys just have some ideas about what we should talk about for this well, episode so maybe we should get into that well, yeah well, no carlin you say what you want to say you're, you're grabbing gonna, the mic out of no, peter's hands so say, clearly eric, you have something eric to say. has a lot of great ideas that he will tell you about when prompted Okay, I'm trying to prompt him. Tell me about it. Okay, so Peter, I I wanted to make note. Um, you know there there have been three major Wonka movies so far. There's actually been four total because there's Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory with Gene Wilder, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory with Johnny Depp. There's this movie with Timothy Chalamet. There was also in 2017, I believe, Tom and Jerry colon Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, yes, something like that. Yes. It's an animated movie where Tom and Jerry go to the Chocolate Factory. That's we have not. Nobody's been on this pod so far. Has seen this movie. It's sort of lost media. And and, um, and I should say, and I don't use this word lightly. I'm really feeling gaslit right now. That's a real movie. Know, you can look it up. I do not know about this Tom and Jerry. It's movie. real. You can, you look can, it okay, up. but 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 point being, um, you know the the. Tim Burton, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory movie, right? It seems like a good fit for Tim Burton as sort of this, like, architect of these weirdo gothic worlds with these very, you know, pale characters. And and it seems like a fit for his sort of style as an auteur. You know, it has all the hallmarks of a classic Tim Burton movie. This movie goes in a slightly different direction. Paul King, he made the Paddington movies. Again, it has sort of his hallmarks as a quote-unquote auteur with, you know, it's very bright and bubbly kid-friendly media with this you know um lavish production design and you know so so these two more modern movies are sort of representative of the styles of their respective auteurs but the original movie the gene wilder one is still the most highly regarded in the movies and it was made by the director with probably the lowest profile out of any of the directors um he you know these other two guys tim burton paul king they have their signature styles the Gene Wilder movie was directed by uh, a journeyman director named Mel Stewart, whose most famous project before making a Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory movie, it was a documentary called Four Days in November about uncovering the truth behind the JFK assassination. No way! Yes. Well, yes. I, I... So these other directors, they seem like a more natural fit for this material, and yet the most successful movie was made by a guy 
who like his biggest project to date was trying to figure out the truth behind the JFK assassination. So Peter, what do you think are the parallels between the Willy Wonka story and the story of JFK's assassination? Oh my God. He did do four days in November. I had heard about this. I'm cribbing a little bit from my favorite movie reviewers, Red Letter Media. Go check them out on YouTube. They don't need to plug. They're way more famous than us. Well, they had talked about that uh, the original guy was a documentary, documentarian. And I had hoped that I had time to talk about the first two Willy Wonka movies before I saw this. But I did not, unfortunately. But now the original guy, Mel Stewart, was a big documentarian. And that does kind of lend itself to the uh, the original movie. We kind of see people's reaction to the golden ticket search. But as far as JFK parallels, I don't know. We are there are definitely some parapolitical deep state uh, uh, analogies to be had. Yeah. The uh, what is the uh, key what? Michael Key's character? And, and, and he's the chief of police. Peter, would you say that in this movie, um, the chocolate cartels attempt to silence Willy Wonka because he is threatening to make chocolate more accessible for the people could sort of uh, be considered a parallel to um, the CIA killing JFK because of that famous quote where he said, I will splinter the CIA and scatter its ashes to the winds? That is a, that is a very famous quote. So if we talk about the deep state... And, and can you clarify to our viewers uh, what you mean by the deep state just to... Uh... Well, uh, I think most of your viewers, as far as the term, may be familiar with Donald Trump's usage. But that's not really what the deep state means. When we say deep state, we really mean facets of the government that exist regardless of whoever is in power. And when we're talking about Kennedy and the post-Cold War era, what we're talking about is... What we're really talking about is Gladio, which are these networks that are set up in the wake of the or the wake of World War II, and they're set up for, um, during the Cold War, and it's really to what Gladio was was a CIA network that was established in conjunction with the agency and NATO, which were to set up these paramilitary fascist militias that would exist to counter communist influence uh -huh. in like places like Italy and Greece uh, and would do like false flag attacks. So we blow up a building and blame it on the communists so they can attain power, uh -huh. even though we're doing it as fascists. Um, which was uh, something that happened during uh, JFK's tenure. Um, but, you know, he died. He was killed by the CIA very early in the wake of uh, the Bay of Pigs and all that. So uh, what, the point is basically a deep state emerging during uh, in like the European aristocracy, especially in Italy, like fascist paramilitaries in conjunctions with industrial interests. And we do kind of see that in Wonka, where we have this cartel, the chocolate cartel, and they actually use that word. These three different guys who have like, like three different companies yes they have a industrial collusion in this specific industry uh the point is there are these three guys who uh have are industrial like tycoons um sort of the private sector but they have a um a collusion with the private sector we see this 
intermingling between the two forces. He's uh -huh. psycho-industrialist with capitalist concerns. And that's what we could really call the deep state. And so we have them, this great scene, probably the best song in the movie, too. Sweet Tooth? Yeah, Sweet Tooth, where they are collaborating, collaborating with Kegel Michael King. It's like, you got to do this extrajudicial killing against Timothy Ch Chalama. Right. Oh, he says Keegan-Michael Key as the chief of police in the movie. He says, legally, I can't touch him. But illegally, I'm happy to do whatever you guys want. That's a great line. That's a great line. And we see sort of in the post-war construct mm -hmm. the um, uh, sort of the parapolitical structure. Yes. Uh, and it's telling that the, it, this where it's not really set in a real city. It's this nondescript European city where you can sort of apply it to anything. Uh -huh. Pan-Euro, whatever. Yeah, Pan-Euro, whatever. And we have these elites collaborating with the public police force. And it's like, okay, yeah, we're going to kill this uh, fucking chocolate guy. So, so Peter, with your... Um... Oh, hold on one Wait, sec. what? And, of course, in this situation, we can take uh, chocolate to be a, uh, a metaphor for drugs because, of course, chocolate has uh, coca in it. Which is you for cocaine, right? Cocoa. Whatever. So, Peter, let me just uh, clarify a bit about your illusion here. Uh, you know, um, in respect to Operation Gladio, would this be saying that, you know, and they do mention how um, Wonka is selling his chocolate at affordable prices that... Um, people of um, varying socioeconomic, uh, th that make it accessible to varying socioeconomic levels. He says, even the power The power. Does that mean, it, are we alluding that Willy Wonka is communist? Well, I don't know about that. We can't take it that far. What, sure. what Eric, what is that, um, the Overton window, right? The, no, yeah, the Overton window. The the movie cannot go so far as to saying Willy Wonka is a communist. It can only have this progress, this social democrat gloss of him being mm -hmm. progressive. Of like, well, he's not a communist, but he he has these leanings, right? Uh -huh. So he can't be a communist, but he well, and we talked about this earlier when the movie started that there is this this um this analogizing to a sort of Dickensian worldview of these poor people being trapped in these sweatshop type conditions. So it's not quite as far as being like a revolutionary yeah, text, we yeah. might say, but there is, there are overtures to that, right? He is concerned about the poor, we might say against these, um, this chocolate cartel, which we are to take for a metaphor mm -hmm. for, a parapolitical deep state and of course the the overtures to talking about the catholic church church is really telling here what this it, motherfucker said catholic church yes to be to be fair this is not uh it's the uh church of the chocoholics the chocoholic monks not specifically the catholic church however it is in benedict's cathedral which is a popular name for various popes of the catholic church well, no, no no it's real telling because as any uh, any of you who might know who has read uh researched on the topic of the catholic church being deeply enmeshed in the gladio networks that facilitated these uh basically the munder money laundering for these uh drug drug trafficking networks and all that i'm really embarrassed i'm going to tell you 
right now, audience, I'm never going to listen to this because I'm quite drunk and I'm embarrassed about what I've been talking Peter, about. how many drinks have you had? Like, standard units, would you say? Six, maybe, probably a little bit more. Peter, I actually think um, you are taking this at a very um, respectable, good angle that, you know, we've had a lot of angles on our podcast so far, and I think I think this has been very important. So please, uh, thank you for your services. Okay, I'm sobering up a little bit, so I'm just going to say right now, I am drunk in most of the stuff I'm talked about. Let's take that again. Three, two, one. Okay, I am drunk right now. I know most of the things I've been talking about has been complete gibberish. I have said that, like, I will say that a lot of movie that like a lot of movies, what we watch today, has made overtures to, oh, there are dark forces governing. Three, two, one. There are dark forces that are governing the normal ass society that we live in. You know, you can't look at it and say that these are something you should take seriously like deep metaphorical mm-hmm, text mm-hmm. but it is making overtures to the reality that we live yes. under and i won't say that this is useful no. although i am very interested Actually, in reading about this uh four days or three days in november four days in november four days in november thing that mel stewart directed but i am gonna look into that i'm gonna be in- i'm gonna be honest we've been talking about the jfk stuff for a while and i think it's time to talk about how hot Sally Hawkins is, and the rest of the movie. Uh, she is only in it for three movies, but yes, thank th- you, Sally. This motherfucker said three movies. I think you <laughs> mean three minutes. I did. Carlin is not nearly as drunk as me, so it's really embarrassing that he said that. That's really funny you say that. Um, you know, um, but Peter, thanks for transitioning. Um, but no, so Eric, Eric, I want to do a bit of a, you know, kind of a sanity check on us. You know, this yeah, is san- our sanity check, sanity check. This is our sixth time seeing this movie, or maybe like fifth point eight time seeing this movie. But um, are there any like other performances that you know we haven't, or, or characters or people that we haven't really gotten the chance to highlight that you want to take note of? I feel like you're baiting me because during <laughs> this viewing, I said that I would throw my entire life away for Lottie Bell, and I feel like you want me to talk about that. Well, well, and I am. Carlin is the master baiter. <laughs> <laughs> um. What what can I say? You know, you can't catch a big fish without some nice bait. Well, um, I, so she she talks at some so, point. Well, maybe we so, can. So 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 listen on, listen. On. Can I say something? I am the guest. Maybe we can talk about the structure of the movie. That I do remember. Well, one of the women in the laundromat, she doesn't talk, but then she talks Lottie later. Bell. I was saying to this Eric, to Eric earlier that. It's like a great way to tread water on a character. It's like, oh, you don't know what to do with her? Uh, just don't have her talk for 40 minutes. Well, actually, Peter, if, uh, you know, I don't know if you were able to, like, get this, but she does play a very important role. She, it, like, she plays a very important role in the heist scene. uses her job at the telephone exchange to find Noodle's real mom. And also to reroute the phone company so that when the priest calls the zoo, he's actually calling Larry Chucklesworth. Okay. Larry Chucklesworth. I'm going to be honest. I was too drunk at that point to really process it. It's not my fault. It was Off of like six drinks. Oh, my God. I, did, I had a small lunch. Lightweight. It was Lightweight. their idea to, to do Waste Wonka. There's a weird echo in this room coming so, up. Wait. Wait, wait, wait. Let me finish. 
there there are some weird structural things in this movie. One of them is that it takes forever for the plot to really get going. No. Willy Wonka is sold into indentured servitude and then it takes like a fucking extra half hour for shit to really pop up pop off. Um before he hey, jerks off the giraffe. Before before <laughs> hey, before we make this into too much of a festival of dunks again, <laughs> Peter, uh there's another there's another big important topic that I want to talk to you about. You were saying, you know, at the introduction of you know, Rowan Atkinson's character, Father Julius. Father Julius. Yes. Uh, that that really the church because... of the Chocoholic monks, you were saying there were allusions to other uh, movies and other potential organizations. Can you comment? Oh, just that if you know a little. So traditionally, Operation Gladio is understood as these networks of a fascist paramilitaries that facilitated false flags attack, especially in Italy. You got to understand that the, at the end of World War II, it was the these uh, communist uh, militia groups that overthrew uh, Mussolini and killed him, right? And so the communists had a real claim to power in the wake of World War II. And so these networks were organized by NATO and the CIA to make sure that the communists were illegitimized in the view of the Catholic public. Yeah, I know, I know. And uh, we're doing all these things like staging false flags attacks and like bombing civilians and then blaming on the Catholics. And so when the but the point is, the real thing that uh, Gladio was doing was trafficking drugs to facilitate black ops operations by the CIA. But the way they laundered this money was through banks of the CIA or the Vatican controlled. So these overtures to pointing specifically at the Vatican and Rowan Atkins ca uh, character and the, uh, what was it called? The Brotherhood of the... The Chocoholic monks. monks. Yeah. I mean, I'm drunk and I could talk about this when I was sober, but pointing to the, the Vatican as like... The, I mean, the he, church. He's literally supposed to be Carlin, like, don't I, yell into the mic. I'm sorry. It's gonna. He's this episode's already gonna be a hassle for me to edit. I'm and really yell sorry. into the mic. It's very unbecoming. He's Eric, literally I'm really supposed sorry. to be like a Catholic monk. I mean, he has the band and everything. He has a chocoholic. He's a chocoholic monk. The point is, uh, like a church figure being involved in all this industrial like maliciousness. It is telling. Anyway, what was your question? Um, so does it give you kind of the vibe of Eyes Wide Shut? Well, I kind of joked when we were watching it, and Keegle Mike and Key's character was walking. Can you take his name again? Well, I was joking about this earlier when uh, Keegan Michael Key's character was walking into the big cathedral, and there there was this weird. Oh, well, actually, Peter, if you uh, you know. I know this is a little hard for a first-time viewer, but as I pointed out yesterday, they're actually um, singing the melody of Sweet Tooth in Latin. Well, that that's a, that's a good little detail. The point is, them doing this, like, Latin mass, you are supposed to understand it specifically as the Catholic Church, and then he goes in, literally into the confession booth, and he goes down the special elevator, and he meets with these industrial figures. The point is, look, Again, I know I'm drunk, but him going into a Catholic church, going down a secret tunnel, and then meeting with like in secret industrial figures that want him to do this extrajudicial murder. The the movie is accidentally making overtures to something. He's literally going deep into the state. 
Yes. Yes. P- Peter, you've made some some excellent points so far. Um, and I know you have a heart out soon because you got to go see about a person. Th- 30 minutes from now, I texted them. that they Okay, you're pushing play. it back? We okay. got plenty of time. Don't worry. Okay. Well, I've already started this segue, so we might as well just see it through. I'm going to move on to this bit. I wanted to introduce a new segment called Wonka Versus, where Ooh. I suggest some other fictional characters, and you tell me if Willy Wonka could beat them in a fight. Okay, this uh, is completely different than what i was talking about therefore i love it let's get away from the shit that i was talking about so first up uh it's a battle of the alliterative w's willy wonka versus walter white walter white sort of the patron saint of our podcast we use him in the uh Um, the theme song yeah um and they both create sweet treats that the community is dependent upon who would win in a fight willy wonka versus walter white i did really enjoy the uh the intro to because i that's, made a, that's eric's game. i made a point not to listen to the other episodes so i could go in blind uh but i did like your intro on the first episode because i listened to um, the, uh, the first 30 minutes i'm or gonna so. say Th- 30 seconds right i'm gonna say willy wonka because even though uh i i guys full disclosure haven't seen breaking bad but even though Walter, I Why think. Why are you talking? Listen, ben? listen. Peter's even, holding the mic. Listen, even though I think um, Walter owns a gun and knows how to use a gun, Willy I think Wonka could pull a gun out from his magical hat. I am drunk, so you'll have to clarify for me. But do they explain how his mother died? She, she got, got sick. But they don't make it clear beyond that. She was too beautiful for this world. Sally Hawkins is so hot. We've been talking about the. Who would win, Peter? We've one second. They, we've been talking about the MonsterVerse a lot this um this weekend because of the new trailer. But it's Sally true. Hawkins was in the. She was in uh, God Godzilla twenty fourteen with Ken Watanabe, and she was she got in squished. King, well, she gets squished in King of Monsters. also with Brian Cranston. Uh, the point is, oh, was she in? She she gets squished in King of the Monsters. So the point is, beautiful Peter? woman. Yes. What was the question? Can you restate? Walter, Walter White. Off, hold on. Walter hold White. On. Peter, he, he's a grown ass man. He could get that. He could kick that surrounding guy's ass. What's your take on Shape of Water? You like or no like? <gasps> um, I like it. Some people were kind of weirded out by the fish sex, but that was fine to me. I don't. Th- um. I don't think it was like an all time banger, but I think it was. I think it was False. solid. Um, it just I don't put... think I don't think it's Guillermo's best movie. Um, what is up. Guillermo's best movie? Um, I do like The Devil's Backbone. I guess I'd have to see another list. Just for the record, everyone, Shape of Water is one of my favorite movies. I know that's why I'm being. We careful. all know this. Definitely, Gold, Golden Army is one of the best superhero movies. I guess I'd have to see a list. Pacific Rim is good too. Pacific Rim. I had a film professor in college. Um, he said that Pacific Rim is one of the greatest examples of spectacle in the 21st century, and I agree with him. Shout out to Richard Lowry, uh, um, was the professor. Who thank said you, that. Richard. It's a good uh, dumb guy movie for sure. Yeah. Um, um, so let, let me move on to the second Wonka versus. So this is another uh, alliterative battle. This is Wonka versus Wallace. Uh, Wallace from Wallace and Gromit. They both are guys who love their contraptions. Who do you Wonka think would definitely. win between Wonka and Wallace? Now, Wallace, now, hold on, hold on. Wait, no, listen. Wallace doesn't even know how to put on his own pants. It's definitely Wallace, Wonka. Wallace is the man, not the dog, right? Yeah, Gromit yes. is the dog. I think, uh, I think Wallace or 
Sorry. I think Wonka clears him pretty easily. He knows how to one. put on the right trousers. Um, um, you know, Walter White's a little more complicated, but I think Wonka clears him pretty All right, easily. on to the next one. Okay, yes, this is the... Would you settle Car- down? Carlin... Eric, I'm so sorry. I, I apologize. I'm it's so okay. glad to be on this podcast. I love being the Ringo of this operation. Please don't cut this clip. I will mute myself now. Beep. Okay. Third and final Wonka versus Wonka versus Ma from the movie Ma. Well, Ma clears <laughs> me Zoid. Ma unconditionally. I, <laughs> I I was thinking about Ma because um, yesterday on the pod, we talked about like the ways that Wonka punishes the kids in the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory book and how those punishments are represented on screen. And let me read them out for you. So mm-hmm. oh, no. Mike TV, who goes into the TV and he gets shrunk, they stretch him out. So he's like permanently disfigured. He gets stretched out. Augustus Gloop, who goes into the chocolate pipe, he gets squished. Um, and Violet Beauregard, who turns into the blueberry, they... they get her back down to her normal size but she's permanently blue willy wonka is like there's there's nothing to be done about this so mm-hmm. we have squished stretched and permanently blue and then the fourth one veruca salt just leaves covered in garbage but that's it she like, went in the incinerator yes but she she leaves fine she's just covered in garbage so like substantially less disfiguring of than course. the other three so this reminded me of ma where like ma punishes the kids by like uh one of them gets branded with an iron. One of them gets her mouth sewn shut. One of them gets shot. And then the other one just like she paints his face white mm. with white paint and yeah, that's yeah. it. Like I feel like both of them, Wonka and Ma, they love playing their little tricks and games, well, but they like run out of juice by the fourth kid. Well, one of the things because you're core you of course are talking about the uh Willy Wonka movie, which is two thousand six, I think, with Johnny Depp. Yeah. And the goth the, pervert version. Yeah, one of the compromises that movie makes is that um it shows the kids at the end, right? It right. Shows... Well that's from the book. Oh, the, that's from the, the book. book too. The book says what happens to them at the end. Okay. Well, I, I think it works better. Carlin, I see your hand on the mic. Don't interrupt Peter. I think it works better that you don't see the kids afterwards. Cause... Well, otherwise you just assume that they die if you Well, I them. think it's I think it works that it's a little ambiguous whether it's a little more I don't know, gothic that um, Sure. You're sure. Like, Oh, did the kids survive or what? The right. point is there that's, are some weaknesses yes. with the Johnny Depp one. That's that classic Mel Stewart sense of the macabre in the original movie. Yeah, like the Kennedy assassination. <laughs> uh, but this one... Um, uh, sorry, can you ask your question again? It's Wonka, Wonka versus Oh, Wonka. Right, yeah. right, right, right. The point is in... There is a... Uh, uh, got like a malice un- undertone to the original movie. But I'm gonna say Mal. I'm gonna say Ma is more uh, dangerous because she does fucking kill those kids. She's afraid to drink alone. Yeah, we should uh, bring this up that uh, Eric and uh, Carlin, you were there, right? That we watched this movie Ma with Octavia Spencer a couple weeks ago, and let me tell you, a really bad piece of shit. But Octavia Spencer did fully commit. Yes, to this don't. horror villain killer yes. character. Don't the, make me drink chocolate alone. The, don't make me drink chocolate alone. Don't make me drink chocolate alone. Don't make me drink chocolate alone. It should be stated that the reason that Ma exists is because the director of the movie, who previously directed Octavia Spencer in The Help, uh, Tate Taylor, he walked into the Blumhouse offices 
slammed his fist down on Jason Blom's desk. And this is true. You can look at this on Wikipedia. He slammed his fist down and he said, I want to direct something fucked up. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to think that that is what Paul King said when he went into the Warner Brothers office it, to sell it, his pitch for Wonka. It is really fucked up. You know, we're kind of coming to the end here. Um, so maybe we should have final thoughts and i did not have an ideal viewing experience viewing experience of wonka because of the fire alarm because of the fire alarm i will say not as bad as i thought but timothy chalamet still not cast right and what what does that hand gesture mean do you Um, think i just i have an extra question yeah peter would you go back to finish and get a proper viewing of wonka I think it would be interesting based off of this intoxicated viewing of it, but um, maybe I will, but you know, I don't think there's a lost masterpiece hidden in what I saw. I think it's kind of the same thing. It's like, you know, a higher tier than, Oh, what just fucking adapt a comic book or whatever, but it is still, you know, let's revisit something we know, something people would like, and kind of a safe, saccharine, non-offensive viewing of something. I don't think Timothy Chalamet works in this role. Like I said, I think he's too hot for that. Peter, but, what's your favorite Timmy performance? Um, I'm always bad at remembering this. What's he been in? Call me by your Call name. Call me by your name. Dune. Dune. Lady Bird. Dune. Uh, French Dispatch. He's probably uh, in that. Don't look up. Uh, little Little Women. Little Women, I think, is an underrated uh, performance in the Timmy Cannon. I think he. I no, I think he's a very good young Bones actor. And all. He was good. Yeah, in Buns and All and uh, Call Me by Your Name. King, the King. Yeah, this kind of like ethereal tw- twink, hot, like hot summer uh, nights. I'm sorry, what? I love watching that movie when I'm stoned out of my gourd. Let me tell you. <laughs> uh, no, he's a good-looking guy. I almost fell he, off the bed. And he's good at this, like kind of detached handsome thing <laughs> yeah he was in that fucking Woody Allen, Woody Allen movie I think he was good but I think he's good with something less zany and more detached than I, what this had I agree well you, you were talking about this a while ago Eric that Timothy Chalamet had a decent like justification for this role that he thought well you know they were, there's these uh older roles or older properties that people are revisiting now he kind of compared it to james bond right where it's like there's these figures i don't know he had a more hefty interpretation of reboot reboot culture than we usually see yes something along the lines of like because famously timothy chalamet has a um no drugs and no superhero movies rule that was passed on to him by leonardo dicaprio little, little pause on that that is bullshit for both of them they have both absolutely done cocaine um you're talking out of your ass if you say otherwise but they're not like they're a little more clean cut i guess right than most of these guys but he said that there is a hunger for these big like blockbuster ip type movies but that people are kind of starting to get bored of like the same old same old that they've seen you know 30 times before like with these superhero movies so that this movie seemed like a way to do a somewhat original movie but at the like large scale that you can really only afford to do when you're adapting like a sort of uh 
known IP property. I don't know. With I, an established director who has like a known style. So I think his head was in the right place with it. I don't know. It's a smart I, career move. I, I, I think that's Cope. I think he signed up to the movie and then came up with a decent, you know, um, explanation right. for why he was oh, in this it. This is going to be a fucking nightmare to edit. <laughs> uh,. I think he was better in it than I thought, but he is still miscast. Peter, are there any final thoughts you have on this view of Wonka? Three, two, one. Well, I guess I would have to see it again to have better thoughts, but I mean, it's... Ouch! I guess it's better than I thought, but, you know, visually, it's still pretty garish. You know, it looks fine. There's thought put into the uh, the set's main belt and the costumes and everything. But ultimately, filmmaking is a collaborative medium, right? But at that's, the base... Yeah, that's what I've heard. Yeah, that's what at the base, at the foundation, is screenwriting, right? And the script, it has some decent jokes about, like, oh, you gotta read the fine print and all that, but it's still pretty boring. Structurally, it's still... He's stuck, like, doing laundry for half of it. I don't know. It doesn't quite come together. It's... Maybe I'll watch it one more time to see how it compares to this experience, I should say again that, um, or for the first time, I have a speech impediment that from childhood that comes up when I'm drunk, so uh-huh. it feels like my mouth is filled with it's cotton. Peter, you're, 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 you're doing great. You're genuinely doing great. Okay, um, well, ladies and gentlemen, we are exactly at one hour no, right so now, so we should wrap this up. You don't okay. get to end the episode. We um, end the episode. I was about just about to ask, um, Eric, uh, this is our sixth viewing of this movie. Um, tomorrow's our last episode is there anything very special you are looking forward to to um seeing this movie one last time you know honestly carlin like going into this project i was like okay like haha this is a funny bit but now i actually have to do this i have to watch this movie Mm -hmm, for seven mm -hmm. days but now it's like it's become such an ingrained part of the my daily routine at the expense of other things granted but I'm so used to seeing this movie every day. It's going to feel a little weird letting go of it. I know. Tomorrow. I know. So I'm going to miss Timmy. I'm just, well, he'll be in other movies. Of course. Of course. But I'm maybe not wearing as tall of a hat, but. Dune 2 coming out sometime 2024. Yes. You don't, you yes. don't need to Long plug, live the fighters. Um, I'm just looking forward to savoring mm. all of my favorite little moments oh, yeah. and details from this movie as we go in for one final <gasps> viewing tomorrow um and i just want to have the best viewing possible as we end this journey together eric i'm um just finally excited to go back to my regular healthy diet maybe eat some actual fruits and vegetables i've only been eating chocolate this week so just chocolate just sweets candies it's a bit of god's gobstoppers but anyway um peter you know well, you missed this part. You of the did movie, miss so this, this bit part. Isn't going to make any sense to you. But but we're going to roll with it anyway. We're going to roll. Uh, it's not about what's in the chocolate. It's about, it's about who you share it who with. You share. And Peter, thank you so much for sharing this chocolate with us today. I'm so embarrassed. Willy Wonka. What? Let me see the bike, yeah.
Uh, I'm so embarrassed, you know. They told me this was going to be wasted with Wonka this day, but I feel like I'm the only one, only one that's trash. So, Timmy, if you listen to this, I'm writing a novel, and you can be in the movie adaptation. <laughs>